Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Steve Rios welcoming you to another episode of Wavemakers. Today on Wavemakers, you're going to hear from Ann B. Friedman, president of Speak Out. Ann is an international presentation coach and communication expert. She's also the author of a book titled Public Speaking for the Genius. As the founder and president of Speak Out Incorporated, Anne has trained and worked with hundreds of executives and businesses, including multinational corporations, Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, and community-based organizations worldwide. I'm honored to call Anne a friend and now a guest. Anne has never been afraid to speak out, pun intended. And now she helps her clients make impressions, even online, with high-impact presentations. Join me now for another episode of Wavemakers, this time with Anne B. Friedman. Welcome to Wavemakers, Anne. Thank you, Steve. I'm delighted to be with you today. Anne, I know that we have a lot to talk about, so I would like to jump straight into the surf and ask you, when you hear the term Wavemakers, what comes to mind? I think of, and you're making me go way back, to the young women on my campus at the University of Florida who decided curfew was irrelevant for women and that we should get rid of it. Because when I started as a freshman at the University of Florida, the boys could stay out all night, but we girls had to be in the dorm by 11 o'clock on weeknights and one o'clock on the weekends. That was customary that men had freedom and we women were locked up in our dormitories. You had to you had to flip your card in when you came in and you flipped it out when you went out. So the resident advisors could look at this wall of cards and know who wasn't in the room and who was. And I thought, this is absurd. And so we started leading protests against curfew. And by the spring, it was a thing of the past. And we could come and go whenever we wanted to. How did you feel about that? I felt liberated. <laughs> As they say, I felt this, this should have always been the way it was. And it made a deep imprint on me in terms of uh, independence as a person, as a woman, that if you think something's wrong, you can work to make it right. All the norms also were being turned completely upside down. You know, we were protesting the Vietnam War. There was integration that was relatively new. 1965, in a, schools were integrated for the first time. But it was a it was a different time. So it was all about making waves, and you know, in, in in the way that a lot of adults at the time would have said, "This is not good trouble," right? Yeah. Were your parents asking you to, you know, hey, you're going to go to a campus, but don't be like those other crazy people out there or the hippies. No. So I'm trying to get a little sense of well, where mother, you came from. My mom had been an activist in the Jewish community for years and my stepfather and my father had both served as soldiers in World War II. So they were very patriotic, <laughs> but they never told me not to get involved with protests. I think they were more concerned about the other kind of revolution that was happening in the 60s. Right, right, the sexual revolution. <laughs> and who I might be you know, involved with that I shouldn't be early on. You know, I think that was more of a concern they had than what I was doing politically or what kind of statement that I was making. Yeah, no, I get it. So I think a lot of times people, when they say wave makers, they think about like trouble, some kind of trouble or, or some kind of confrontation, right? 
Um, and that's what that was in the situation. The young woman said, hey, administration, this is uh, not how it should be. And yet a lot of times also, you know, making waves, if you look it up, one of the definitions is simply to make a significant impression. Yes. And, um, and I know that that is what your career has really been about for so many years. So if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about your background, but then how you um, pivoted to the career that you have now, which is really all about helping people to make a significant impression, would you say? Exactly. Well, I credit my mom because when I was a little girl, I would make these grand pronouncements like, mommy, I'm hungry, or mommy, I have to go to the bathroom. And she would invariably say to me, well, I'm going to print it in the Gardner News, which was our daily newspaper. And it was such a small town that they even printed, when I was a brownie, I became the troop scribe, they called it. And I would write up our brownie news and they had all the brownie troop news in the newspaper. So from the time I was seven or eight years old, I saw in print something I had written and I got the bug very early to do that. So I wound up becoming editor of my high school newspaper, and then I went to the University of Florida, and I was on the Florida Alligator. I wrote the stories about the curfew and the protests of Vietnam and all that kind of stuff when I was in college, and I got the writing bug very early. And, wow. and I was a full-time, I was a newspaper reporter for several years, and then I started freelancing. And that's where the transition started to happen, because people asked me to write speeches. So local politicians and business people asked me to write their speeches. And at first, things were wonderful. I got paid. They were happy. And then people started to invite me to come hear them. And that was the pivotal time, Steve, <laughs> because sometimes I went, I still remember a couple of them that I won't mention, that I got to the meeting and I wanted to crawl under the closest table because they were awful. I mean, just horrific. People were looking at their watches, they were going, <clears throat> you know, and they were completely losing the crowd. And I didn't quite understand why, because when I wrote the speech and when I said it, it sounded perfect, right? But that's where I began to realize the real difference between writing for the eye and writing for the mouth. And most people are trained to write for the eye. And as you know, what looks good on paper doesn't always sound good. So that was the transition I had to make as a writer. And I began to insist, well, let me hear you say this at least once before I just turned it over to them. And then that's how the business really started of coaching, because I realized some people were just much more natural. They saw something on paper and they just kind of knew how to do it. And other people... So could you give us a little insight into your company, Speak Out, and how you coach people? Uh, what we do is I like to say we make sure people aren't boring when they speak and that they get the results they're looking for and that they really connect with confidence and style whenever they open their mouth. So that's it in a nutshell. And we work with all types of industries and nonprofit organizations and community leaders anyone that has to make a presentation. And as you probably can imagine, lately, since COVID started, all my work has transitioned to online because I can't go anywhere in person to train. I can't go anywhere to speak like I was doing speaking at conferences and so forth also. So I've been doing programs on how to be more effective speaking online. 
What are the most important things that people should think about when they are trying to communicate online? The very first and fundamental understanding is that their presentation isn't about them. It's about the people they're talking to. And what do you think they really want to and need to hear from you right now? It, today, it's, it's a real challenge to connect online. Either you are a talking head for five minutes, seven minutes, 30 minutes, or you're participating in a meeting where you're a little box and you can see 20 other people at the same time or 50 other people or however many were on the call. And it's different talking that way. And then if you add slides to the deal, the slides are big and you're a little tiny box. So what do you do with your hands and your voice and all this? So some of it's the same, Steve, to answer your question. If you're boring, you're going to be boring either way. <laughs> You know, if you haven't organized your content, if you don't know where you're going with it, if you haven't practiced, all that stuff is going to matter. But what is different is there are different distractions. Like it took me a while to get my background right, getting the lighting right. The biggest takeaway though is they always used to say less is more. It's even more true now. But you will listen for more than five to seven minutes is the tops. If you can do it in one to two minutes, you're a hero. Well, can you tell us, because I know you love stories and you're a great <laughs> storyteller, one story about how you made waves. Well, it's hard for me to talk about my own. So I'll talk about what I did for somebody else. I, this is a while ago, but I was referred to a, a young entrepreneur who had been asked to give a seven-minute speech in front of ICANN. ICANN is the international governing agency for the internet. And he was supposed to do it in Cartagena, Colombia, to show them why he had the right to sell the .co extension to compete with .com on the internet. He'd never given a speech in his life before. And so I worked with him for about six weeks and we came up with a message. I found an empty conference room at the University of Miami for him to practice and we got him ready. And it, when it was live streamed from Cartagena, I was so thrilled because at the end he got a standing ovation. And I worked with this company for about two years and fast forward to 2014, Juan Diego Calle sold his company for $109 million. Now, I can't take credit for his building a successful company and selling, but I know I had a hand in helping him develop his leadership communication, almost nobody can get on and just start talking. Well, I know that's true. Before we close, Anne, I'd like to give you an opportunity to let people know how they can reach you. Thank and you. A couple ways. If you're listening and you'd like to reach out to me, I do have a Facebook page. It's Speak Out Inc. I'm on LinkedIn, Anne, A-N-N-E, Be Like Breakfast Friedman, F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N. And I'd be delighted to connect with you on LinkedIn. I also am offering a 30-minute complimentary strategy session. So if you're interested in that, you can email me at ann at speakoutinc.com and I'll send you a link to set up a time. Or we can just talk. 305-733-4054. It's been wonderful talking to you and uh, thank you so much for taking this time. Well, thank you for these wonderful questions, Steve. This um, has been fun. All the best with your wonderful series here. There's a real need for people to know about Wavemakers, to hear from them, and you're to be absolutely commended for taking this deep dive, no pun intended, right, <laughs> into this universe and sharing 
your passion with the planet. I'm so grateful that, that our paths crossed. Thank you. See you later. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Wavemakers. This is Steve Rios reminding you to never stop making waves. And I know that we have a lot to talk about, so I would just like to jump right into the surf and ask you, when you hear the term wave makers, what comes to mind? And I know we have a lot to talk about, so I'm 